and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Woof Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Hey, if you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, go ahead and do so. I come out with new episodes every Wednesday morning full of all kinds of amazing dog information, training information. You're going to want to check it out. And if you haven't clicked that five-star review and you love what you're hearing, hey, stop what you're doing right now. Click that five-star review. It helps the podcast grow. And of course, I would greatly appreciate it. Now, today on the show, we have Keeping Your Dog Entertained in the Winter. Is it cold in winter where you live right now? Not where I live. (laughs) Sorry, guys. But you know what? I'm going to give you some great tips, some great hints, and uh, things you can do to help keep your dog stimulated and happy when you can't get outside nearly as much. Then the next segment is going to be called, What Has Happened to Our Dogs? It's a question we have to ask. You're going to want to check that out to listen what that's all about. Then we'll have our Breed of the Week, followed by the listener Q&A. If you guys have any questions for that listener Q&A, email me, send it on over, questions at speakadogcast.com. But before we get going with today's show, hey, I got to give you that trivia question. Today's question is going to be Valentine's Day related, of course. And the question is, what object does a male penguin gift to a female penguin to win her over? Yes, what object does a male penguin bring to a female penguin, gift to her to win her over? I'll give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's podcast, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak a Dogcast, how to keep your dog entertained in the winter. Now, the first thing I have to say is I cannot relate to this segment at all. That's right. I can't because I live in Florida Um, and I'm pretty, I've always lived in Florida. So this is just something I really cannot relate to guys. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Look, I love snow. I love the winter, but I don't want to live in it. I really don't. I want to go visit it. I want to see it for its beauty, go skiing, enjoy it. And then I'm out of there. I love living in Florida and look where I live. I'm, I mean, you know, all of Florida stays pretty darn warm, Uh, but where we live, we live below the frost line, so it really just doesn't get that cold here. Uh, you know, actually, hey, what was that, last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was, um, we had, I think it was down to 32 degrees. I know, a whopping 32 degrees. We, I actually had ice all over my car when I came out at 6 o'clock in the morning, and there was a huge frost all over the pasture, and, um, you know, by 8 o'clock, it was all gone. <laughs> And then by 10 o'clock, it's like in the low 50s, and it was just beautiful, but not that cold, thank goodness. So yeah, I'm a Florida boy. I really am a Florida boy. I mean, I love the mountains. I love hiking, but I am a Florida boy through and through. Um, So (laughs) give me the beaches and the sunshine, people. Yeah, so look, it's just, it's not something I really have any understanding of. <laughs> I I don't think, have I even ever shoveled snow? I don't think I've even had to ever shovel snow even when we visited it, right? So, you know, it, look, I, I can't get on board with that, but what I can get on board with is I, I know training, I know behavior, and I know dogs. So I can still help you out with giving you some great tips and ideas here for how to keep, how to keep your dog entertained when it's cold out and you just can't do your normal level of activities, right? So, First thing we have to talk about is toys, of course, right? Dog toys, that's an obvious one. Get plenty of dog toys for your dog. There's all different kinds of engaging toys, 
Play with your dog, guys. That should be an obvious one, but come on, play with your dogs. It's a great way to keep them entertained, have some fun time. And if you are stuck at home and it's cold or you're snowed in or something like that, create some consistency and routine to it. You know, start your morning off with playtime every day so your dog comes to expect it. And it can be a good routine uh, to incorporate and give them something a little more to do. Routine really helps really helps um, keep them occupied, right? So toys, one other thing I wanna note about toys, uh, well, a few things, right, <laughs> a few things. If it's, if you know you're going to have some winter time where you can't get your dog out for the normal activities, then what I want you to do is take a toy or two and save them and only bring them out during that wintertime act, you know, during the time when your dog really can't be doing their normal thing, getting them outside and such. So one, you know, Kong toys, guys, everybody knows Kong toys, and maybe your dog likes to play with a Kong toy just regularly, cool, awesome. Uh, but what I want you to do is take the Kong toy, everybody knows the Kong toys, you can fill them up with peanut butter, with cheese, whatnot, treats. And of course, what I like to do is take the peanut butter, put it in the Kong, and then throw the Kong in the freezer. Let that peanut butter harden up real good so that way when you bring the Kong toy out, it's going to take your dog a little bit of time to get all that peanut butter out. It gives them an extra activity. Think about it that while, yes, maybe we can give them some physical things to do, guys, really it's more about keeping them mentally entertained and mentally engaged. So by not bringing that toy out, you know, by not filling the Kong with peanut butter and freezing it any other time but then... It's going to make it more exciting to your dog and, you know, more apt to keep them mentally engaged longer. So withholding toys, yeah, withholding toys can actually be a good thing. You know, there's also great toys like the Everlasting Treat Ball. Uh, it's a big rubber ball that's got these awesome treat inserts that can take your dog a long time to scratch and gnaw at them and get them out. You know, variety is an important aspect of toys. Change the toys up. Maybe Bring a toy out for a day or two and then put that toy away for a couple days and then bring it back out. And that way you're rotating toys, changing it up, and it's never staying the same for your dog. Really great way to keep them mentally engaged and not get too bored of something uh, with the repetitive repetitiveness of it. Okay. Another thing we can start doing with our dog is playing some games, right? It's cool games we can do. Guys, the cup game. <laughs> not only is it magical, magic, you know, to do the cup game where you hide a, you know, you take three cups and you hide something underneath the cup. Hide a treat. Mix the cups up, move them around, and before you know it, your dog's going to be confused and use its nose and try to figure out where the treat is. Something simple, something silly, but it gives them something extra to do, you know? Um, we can create a lot of different games for our dogs, even just around the house. How about a little bit of an obstacle course, you know? Set up your chairs in a line, in like a straight line, like your dining room chairs, find your dining room chairs and set them up in a straight line. And you can put them about, you know, three to five feet of space, maybe three feet or so, not even yeah, like three feet, five feet, you don't need five feet, uh, but like two to three feet of space in between the chairs, put them in a line and you're going to teach your dog to weave in and out of the chairs. Yeah, little obstacle course. Uh, maybe you can set up a little pillow or two from the couch, take the couch cushions, stack them on the floor, teach your dog to climb up and over them, especially if you have a little dog. Create a mini obstacle course inside your house. It's sort of like an agility course for your dog inside the house, right? Uh, so that's another great thing to do to give your dog something to do because also this is something that can take a little time. You know, teaching your dog to weave through those chairs, once again, we can incorporate that into our routine. If you are stuck at home, if you're snowed in or whatever, uh, these are great things. We can start off our day with playtime, then we can do a little bit of training time, and it gives them something to do, okay? 
Speaking of training time, what about just regular old, uh, what a lot of people like to call obedience training, right? Our normal commands, our sit, our stay, our lie down, our drop it, our leave it, our our recall, our uh, all different kinds of commands. We can teach our dog fun tricks, paw. Guys, these this is a great time to really interact with your dog, to give them something to do and not only enhance your relationship with them. I kind of look at it as if we're going to be stuck at home, why not get everything we can out of it with our pups? You know, maybe you're not stuck at home, maybe it's just cold, Um, but either way, it gives us just that much more to do with them and enhances your relationship with your dog that much more. So always go back to basics, go back to basic training. Even if your dog already knows how to sit, already knows how to stay, already knows how to lie, guys, it doesn't hurt to run through it. Number one, it's practice. Number two, it's stimulation, and it's going to give them something to do, okay? So when in doubt, you can always go back to those basics in your training, you know? Um... Now, another great thing you can start doing, guys, this is a good time to catch up on that grooming. (laughs) You know, a lot of people discount grooming. We think of it as maybe just a chore. But, you know, if if you've got um, anybody out there who's ever ridden horses or worked with horses, you know, uh, when I groom my horse, it's definitely a bonding time with him. And it's no different with your dogs. It can be a great opportunity to bond and get closer and build trust with your dog. So you can brush them, work on their nails. Maybe your dog doesn't like to have their nails trimmed. Guys, this is a great opportunity to start working through that. Okay, I've talked about how to how to get your dogs used to cutting nails a little bit. Maybe we'll talk about that in another segment at some point as well. Um, but again, great time for grooming, cleaning ears, and working them through those things if they have some issues with it. Now, we can actually take our dogs for mini walks <laughs> inside the house. Yeah, leash them up and start turning, doing turns. Now, I haven't, I haven't go too deep off into how to do the turns. That's some training. And if you want to train with me, hey, you got to reach out to me, right? Don't forget, guys, I'm doing virtual training. So please feel free to email me and check that out. Um, but yeah, we can actually go for little walks with our dogs inside the house. Maybe go outside if you have a patio or a deck that's cleared and there's not a lot of snow or ice on it. Go out and do some turns outside real quick for two minutes, you know, five minutes, however long it's safe to do so in the cold. Um, But there's nothing wrong with creating a five-minute walk. If you can only get five minutes in, it's better than no minutes, right? So you can do walks inside the house, maybe just right outside, um, but try to squeeze that in if you can. Now, of course, look, being cooped up is never ideal. You know, having your dog cooped up in the house is never ideal. And while we can run through all of these different things, the best way, it's its obviously the best way to keep your dog entertained if they're stuck at home a lot is to get them out of the house a little bit, which is hard to do if it's, if it's winter out. So think of some field trips that you can actually take with your dog. You know, it may be winter out, but hey, if you're going to Home Depot where you got to go to Lowe's, Throw your dog in the car and head on out to Home Depot. Bring your dog with you because it really can be good stimulation taking them out. People don't think about field trips as being a really stimulating thing for a dog, but it's really good for them. It's good for them to get out and see things and see the world and experience it. Um, So think of dog-friendly stores, maybe bars, restaurants, if you're going out again and you're checking out everything. Bring your dog with you if you can. It's a great way to get them out into the world. And again, I know if you can't go for that, you know, two-mile walk that you normally do because it's freezing outside, then again, it's just a great way to get your dog supplemental time of something to do, supplemental stimulation, if you will. Now, I am still going to push doggy day camps, indoor dog parks. Now, indoor dog parks aren't a thing down here. (laughs) It just doesn't exist. Uh, I know they have them up north. So indoor dog parks or doggy day camps, guys? You know, you got to do what you got to do to keep your dog 
happy, to keep your dog entertained, and to keep your dog stimulated. So at the end of the day, if that means you need, you know, any he or she needs to go to doggy day camp once, twice, three or four times a week, <laughs> do what you got to do, guys. You're committed by, by owning your dog. You've committed to them. And so see that commitment all the way through. How about agility classes? Not just the doggy day camps, but let's give them something even more to do mentally. Uh, you know, there's definitely indoor dog parks. I'm sure there's indoor agility training facilities up north. Again, all of ours tend to be outside. Uh, and if they are any kind of covered, it's in like a pavilion. You know? <laughs> but all our stuff is outside down here. Uh, but up north, there are, of course, those dog-friendly indoor options during the winter as well. So please keep those in mind, too. But there's a lot of different things you can do here, guys. You know, actually, one other thing I want to throw out there, one other thing that I always like to do, I've mentioned it a few times, I love doing this one with um, my old golden Colby Jack. And, you know, side note here, guys, it's been just over two months since we put Colby, uh, since we had to to put Colby down. And... Um, you know, I just wanted to make a side note on this because it's, I haven't really talked about it much the past two months and it's been really hard, really hard. Um, you know, some days are worse than others, but, um, I think part of the reason I haven't been talking about it is because it's been so difficult not having Colby Jack here. And, um, anyway, I just wanted to say this one little game that we used to play a lot and, um, damn it. <laughs> Yeah, see, I miss I miss my buddy. Um, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Okay. Uh, so anyway, I used to play a hide-and-seek game with him with a toy in the house. I need to teach my new boy Riker this, don't I? Um, we haven't worked on this one, but we used to play hide-and-seek. I would take a particular toy, and I'd put my dog, put, put Colby in a sit-and-a-stay, and then I would take that toy and I would walk around the house with it a little bit. I'd walk in and out of rooms, I'd walk all around, and then I'd hide it somewhere randomly in the house. And he had to sit and stay and wait. And then I would come back to him after wandering around the house and I would release him, say, all right, go find it. And then he'd have to go and find the toy. And there were times, you know, I started off really easy, really simple, just put it like around the back of the couch to start with, you know, nothing crazy, and work him up to really hiding it. And there were times where it took him like five minutes to find it once, which is a lot of fun. But it kept him so occupied and he had so much fun doing it. And once he found it, he would get so excited, be so proud of himself, you know. Um, so that was another great game because, again, you can start slowly by hiding it somewhere a little obvious and then work your way up to make it more difficult. So that's an awesome, fun game to play that I always really enjoyed with my buddy Colby Jack um, that you guys can do at home as well. So a lot of different ways to keep our dogs entertained, guys. Get creative with it. Have fun with it. You know, this isn't just about keeping your dog entertained. It's about keeping them stimulated. It's about keeping them happy and building a better bond and relationship with you and your dog. So a lot of these things are really awesome for that. Um, just keep in mind, keep it different, keep it fun, and change it up. Variety is definitely the key when it comes to keeping your dog entertained in the winter. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. 
offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next on Speak a Dogcast, what has happened to our dogs? Yes, this is an important question that we have to ask. What has happened to our dogs? Look, behaviorally, I think the reality of it is, 20 years ago, our dogs were better behaved than they are now. Yeah, I think that's the truth. And before we go down this road, before we jump right into this segment, here comes one of my famous disclaimers. <laughs> yeah, look, guys, this is this to me is actually a kind of a serious subject um, because behaviorally in this country, I feel like as a professional, as a you know someone who's been doing this twelve years ish now, somewhere around there, um, I feel like I'm seeing a decline in dogs' behavior in this country. And, you know, I don't know if this is happening anywhere else. I only live here. That's all I know. Um, but on the whole, I'm seeing it. I am. And we have to ask the question of why? Why are we seeing dogs' behavior get worse? What has happened to our dogs? That's what we have to ask. So my disclaimer becomes, yes, this is a bit of a serious uh, uh, topic. It is. And look, the answer is not necessarily something you're going to want to hear. <laughs> Because at the end of the day, um, we're in control of our dogs, aren't we? Dogs aren't just going to naturally, um, well, I mean, it's not good to, are naturally going to misbehave. That's not entirely true. Just like a child misbehaves, you know where the boundaries. But the point is, guys, if we raise them balanced and we raise them correctly, then no, we shouldn't really have too many misbehaves. We shouldn't have these really intense behavioral issues that I'm coming across. Okay. So that's kind of the disclaimers. You may not like what you're going to hear, but it needs to be said and we have to discuss it. And, and maybe there's not a full answer. You know, maybe there really isn't a full answer to this, but let's start talking about it and let's, let's see if we can't figure this out a little bit. Um, you know, I, I was talking with a veterinarian that I know the other day and his comment was the same. His observation was very similar to mine in that he said, you know, I've been doing this for over 25 years and dog's behavior has, has, has on the whole gotten significantly worse in just 20 years. He said 20 years ago, he would pull out a muzzle for a dog, you know, maybe once a month, maybe, right? Now it's almost a weekly, if not daily occurrence. I mean, I wish I could say that blew my mind, but I can't. I can't because I work in behavior. I work with dogs. I work with owners. I, I see what's out there. And unfortunately, it does not surprise me hearing him say this. You know, look, guys, I'll be honest. Ten years ago when I first started doing this, well, sure, we could argue I was inexperienced. Maybe I'm not the one getting the phone calls for the more serious cases. And the longer you do this, you know, there's there's probably some correlation with you get more of those calls. So you see more of it. But at the same time, even just observation in dog parks, out in public, um, you know, 
it it doesn't really if, as long as if, if you spend time observing dog behavior it you can see over time over 10 years you can see a clear difference that dogs 20 years ago 10 20 years I mean, I mean i've only been doing this for 12 years but you know i observed dogs when i was a kid <laughs> looked around at my neighbor's dogs my friend's dogs and i would say on the whole yeah dogs are better be were better behaved excuse me 20 years ago than they are today you know my uh, the, the vet i was talking to that i know he said he believes the reason that dogs are worse is because owners are not properly socializing their dogs that's what he said you know and he's not wrong i think there's more to it than that um but man that's probably one of the biggest reasons isn't it he's right dogs people don't properly socialize their dogs anymore and it's one thing to socialize them it's another thing to properly socialize them and if these dogs are not properly socialized creates a lot of issues doesn't it if a dog doesn't learn how to walk and accept a leash properly it causes a lot of issues doesn't it and that's kind of my my point i think it runs deeper than just socialization i think there is this stigma almost against training our dogs because oh god forbid we ask fluffy to do something god forbid fluffy sits when she oh no i don't want to make my dog do anything they feel uncomfortable i don't want oh yeah. now as i've said before on the show guys i hate to say it but being uncomfortable builds character it does working through those issues builds character and i see it a lot where people are almost perfectly fine with their dogs being anxious with their dogs being aggressive, with their dogs having these issues because, oh, we don't we don't want to make Fluffy uncomfortable. I'll never forget that one. I had a client years ago where that, the dog was aggressive and possessive and, oh, we don't, we don't, well, we don't want to upset him. We don't want to try to take the toy back that he's, oh, we don't want to upset him. And I said, guys, wake up. Your dog's already upset. <laughs> are, are, you, are you not seeing what I'm seeing here? And I think that makes the problem run even deeper. It's a lack of understanding of how animals operate. All of us, humans, right? Uh, look, I, I'm not going to get off too much on human psychology today, but like participation trophies. I mean, that started when I was a kid, and I thought it was the biggest load of crap in the world. I, <laughs> like, we got in last place. Why the hell do I have a trophy? I don't deserve this. Uh, we didn't win. It's okay. Someone's got to lose. Uh, it helped me understand that, didn't it? Help me understand you can't always win. It's an important lesson in life uh, that for some reason we think we need to take away. I don't get that. Uh, but <laughs> David, stay on the, stay on the dogs. Uh, not going down that road today. Um, but yeah, you know, that's, I think it's a deeper problem than, than just dogs. I do. I think it's this, this, this uh, societal problem that we have. You know, now part of the other issue uh, that my that the the vet I was speaking with, you know, that I know that he brought up is is technology, and he's right. Oh man, he's so right. Technology is one of the biggest hindrances in in working with animals because animals don't respond to technology, guys. You know what I mean? Like they don't. It's like in a different world, and it's it's almost hard for me to explain it on, on because animals communicate by body language for the most part, right? Sure, there are animals that can use vocals and vocal communications, but guys, it's all it's mostly body language. Okay, subtleties. And technology takes away the subtleties, right? 
And so when we find ourselves engaged with technology, social media, and we're staring at our phones and we're not looking at anything else going on around us, we start losing the ability to pick up on these subtleties. And when you start losing the ability to pick up on subtleties, you lose the ability to train and work with your dog, work with animals in general, work with people. And it scares me. It does. It scares the living hell out of me. How we are shifting so far to this screen and technology and rating each other. And I mean, look at my podcast. You can give me a one-star review just because. But you don't ever have to engage with me. You don't ever have to look at me, talk to me. You don't ever have to know that you're hurting my feelings. I mean, hey, look, I whatever, you know. <laughs> but that's the point. It takes away that humanizing, that animalistic factor. And, and again, I think it's ironic that I'm sitting here going, technology is horrible, and here I am on a podcast, you know. But guys, it's about balance in life. It's about balance. Technology can be a wonderful thing. Look, I, I've been I've been so grateful that I've had the opportunity to share my my insight and training with you guys. And there's been people out there who've, who've emailed me or messaged me and said how much it's helped. And that's so awesome. And see, isn't that cool? I've had people in England messaging me. I mean, that's, come on, 20, 30 years ago, can you even imagine? How cool is that? The only way to reach people at those great of distances was like through television or movies, you know? You couldn't just, Joe Schmo and David Farb <laughs> sitting in his podcast studio in his house couldn't reach out to people around the world like this. That's the amazing part about technology, right? Isn't that so cool? But that's the balance I think we need to all find. Take the good from it and leave the bad. Recognize the moments you're over-engaged in your technology. Look, guys, I love that. If you're listening to my episodes weekly, that's amazing. And I thank you for it. But make sure you're taking a break. <laughs> make sure you're not just from me, but from technology. Make sure you're turning that screen off because I'm just as guilty of it. I have found myself recently just, yeah, recently. Look at what COVID has done to us as humanity. Um, but I think it almost pushes us towards our screens more because from the nature of the isolation and all. And, and humans want, we have this, humans, animals have this need to connect. And so that's what we were trying to do with this. But the technology gets in the way and it does, it's not the same. So just kind of think about that and find that balance with technology in your life because I truly believe when you're over-engaged in your technology, you're missing out on subtleties. And when you miss out on subtleties, you cannot train your dog. And more importantly, you can't form a deep, meaningful relationship with your dog without those subtleties. So what has happened to our dogs, guys? We have to ask the question, what has happened to us? What has happened to humanity? You know? Um, yeah, this is... This is, it's, it's kind of a, it's a deep topic. <laughs> it's a deep topic of what has happened to our dogs because quite frankly, guys, it really, in a lot of ways, I wish my job was obsolete. I wish I was unnecessary. I wish people didn't need my help. And what I mean by that is I wish people were more connected to their animals because I think that's the reason why my job and my profession is necessary because the further humanity chugs along, the further we get away from our animalistic roots. And the further removed from our animalistic roots we are, man, that's that's a scary thing to me, that is. Um, 
So think about that, guys. You, you want to get back to your animalistic roots, you know, if you want to be better with your dog, first of all, you got to put the phone down. Okay, phone, phone's got to go away. It's got to go away. You're using it too much. You know, I, I, I'm sure, and I don't even know because it's been so long since I've had any other kind of phone but an iPhone. Uh, everybody, you know, you know your iPhone tells you how much screen usage you've had, exactly where you're using your screen time. Go take a look at it, and it might scare the hell out of you into wanting to put your phone down. <laughs> okay? Um, <laughs> because if you see on average how much time you're spending on that phone in a day, um, it's not good. I can tell you that right now. It's probably not good. <laughs> oh, goodness. Ah, wow. I mean, it, it, it's so funny because this topic is just... It's what I live with every day. It is. What has happened? This is what I walk in every day with people. And guys, I mean this from from the heart. I really do. You want to fix your dogs? Then keep it simple. Stop reading everything on the internet. Stop watching every dog training show. You know? Disseminate what good information is and and get rid of the other stuff. If your brain is telling you, this doesn't make any sense. Why is this trainer telling me this? It probably doesn't. <laughs> I mean this in a very, again, I'm trying. There's a lot of crap information out there. And look, there's a lot of crap trainers. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but it's just the truth. Look, recently uh, during the pandemic, it was somebody who, I don't remember what he did for a living beforehand, but he decided, well, I like dogs. So I'm going to go be a dog trainer. Just opened a business, didn't read a book, didn't do anything. And I got one of his clients because he didn't know what he was doing. And he claimed he to be, oh, I know how to do that. I know this and this. And that. <sighs> you know. So uh, you want to train your dog, guys? Go back to basics. Keep it simple. Okay? Treat your dog like what they are. They're a dog. Treat them like a dog. Nothing wrong with that. Treat them like what they are. That, that, that's what you should be doing. That's the best way to get your dog acting like a good dog. Okay? Um, yeah, what has happened to our dogs? Man, <laughs> lots has happened to our dogs, guys. Uh, but again, I, I've seen this very significant change, and I would rather see that change go back the other direction to having great dogs. So my services will be less needed. I would love that. I mean, sure, who doesn't, you know, I want to be, I want to be in demand, but at the same time, wouldn't it be great if everybody could just get out there and train and work their dogs? The answer to today's trivia question, what object does a male penguin often gift to a female penguin to win her over? It's a pebble. Yes. So gentlemen, next time you're striking out, try bringing a pebble over to her and see if that helps. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Pyrenean Mastiff. The Pyrenean Mastiff is a large dog coming in from 120 to 240 pounds. A giant, lovable, and brave dog, the Pyrenean Mastiff is a livestock guardian that protected flocks from wolves, bears, and thieves. They are friendly to people and are loyal to their families, but at the same time, they are a courageous dog that never backs down. They have a very low prey drive and are wonderful with kids. They'll only feel the need to protect their pack when it's absolutely necessary. But if you're going to have one of these dogs, you better keep a few slobber towels around. As with all Mastiffs, they slobber when they're hot, there's food around, or sometimes maybe just because 
Now, these dogs still need exercise both mentally and physically, but because their large pups grow rapidly, it's a good idea to start with short walks when they're young and then slowly build up to longer walks as to not overstress their joints. It's also a good idea to walk them on dirt or soft ground as opposed to asphalt or concrete. Now, as such a rare dog breed, there's really not enough information to identify any specific illnesses, but they can be susceptible to elbow and hip issues, and as with all large chested cavity dogs, uh, owners really should be aware of GDV and bloat. Kept in good health, this breed can live to be about 10 to 13 years old. And while the origin of the Pyrenean Mastiff is unknown, there is a general consensus that the dogs descended from Malozer dogs brought from Samaria and Assyria to Spain some 3,000 years ago by the Phoenicians. Once again, thank the Phoenicians. Now, due to the remote nature of the Pyrenees Mountains, the Malozer dogs developed regionally into several livestock dogs such as the Spanish Mastiff and the most closely related to the Pyrenean Mastiff, the Pyrenean Mountain Dog, also known as the Great Pyrenees. During the Middle Ages, modern-day Spain was split into two regions with the Christian-controlled kingdoms of Castile in the north and the Muslim-controlled areas of Aragon to the south. Now, in the wide-open flats of Castile, the smooth-coated Spanish Mastiff was developed to travel the long, wide-open distances, protecting sheep along the way. However, in the more unforgiving terrain of Aragon, a more rugged and longer-coated dog was needed. Now, in 504 AD, the Visigoth king Eurico established the formal mass migration of flocks to and from the grazing grounds. Herds of sheep, some 1,000 heads strong, would travel through the wolf and bear-infested Pyrenees mountains and foothills, foothills accompanied by only five dogs. Incredible. Now, this migration continued well into the 18th century, and while these migrations began to dwindle, the need for a hardy herding dog was still necessary in the remote mountains for livestock protection. In the 1930s and 1940s, wolves and bears had pretty much disappeared from the Pyrenees Mountains, and transporting livestock was now a task mostly being accomplished by trains. Combining these factors with the Spanish Civil War, and then World War II, the Pyrenean Mastiff almost became extinct. And there was an effort made by breed enthusiasts to re-establish a breeding program, and while the Pyrenean Mastiff might still be a rare breed, there are around four to 6,000 dogs worldwide, and they've made their way to countries such as Russia, Australia, Japan, Canada, Mexico, and the United States. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Elizabeth from Lake Worth, Florida. Elizabeth says, my dog farts a lot. It's the smell that gets me more than anything. Is there something I can do to make it better? <laughs> you know, look, I, dogs fart, right? They do. We all do. It's <laughs> part of it. It's gases form in our stomach and our intestines and they have to be released. Now, some dogs are more prone to this. Brachiocephalic dogs, you know, dogs with shorter smush snouts, if you will, uh, like pugs and bulldogs, we all tend to think of them as snorers. They also tend to be farters. And really the reason why, guys, is when they eat and drink, they tend to swallow a lot of air because of because of their snouts being so small. Uh, and so when they swallow that air, the air's got to go somewhere, right? That definitely plays a role. However, sometimes it can be uh, diet-related. Maybe you've switched your dog's food recently, that can play a role. But one of the biggest things that definitely is a significant contributing factor would be people food. 
Yes. If your dog gets a lot of people food, then it's no surprise that they have smelly farts. That is just the reality and the truth of the situation, guys. Um, Look, they're not supposed to eat probably 90% of the stuff that people feed them, right? So if they're not supposed to eat it, do you really think it's going to be friendly to their digestive systems? No, the answer is no. The answer is no. Um, So if you're feeding your dog people food, I would highly recommend you stop if you want those farts to stop. Um, That's the first thing. Maybe you're not. Uh, Maybe you just have a brachycephalic dog, but that's a part of it. Well, let's say you have a dog that eats really fast. If you have a dog that eats really fast, you're going to run into that same problem that they're going to be swallowing uh, a lot of air as they eat. So you can actually give your dog a slow feed bowl. See if that helps remedy the situation. Maybe just try changing the dog food. Maybe you don't feed your dog people food. Maybe just try changing the dog food. Now, of course, do it slowly. Take your time changing the food. You don't want to upset their stomach even more. Uh, And then wait a little bit of time once you get them on the new food to see if it remedies your situation. Because sometimes it could take a few weeks um, you know, for, for their system to right itself, if you will. So keep that in mind. Another thing, more exercise. Yeah, believe it or not, more exercise can actually help. Uh, Just like with ourselves, you know, the more you move around, the more you get everything moving, uh, the better everything moves inside of you. So therefore, that can actually help reduce gas as well. There are other things we can do, like probiotics. Of course, always ask your veterinarian when it comes to stuff like this. But sometimes maybe your dog just needs a good probiotic, and that can help alleviate some of those symptoms too. So definitely talk to your vet, but there are some tips in there that hopefully will help you out and and make your house a little less smelly. Next question. This comes from Marley from Akron, Ohio. Marley asks, what kind of bear is the best bear? (laughs) Marley, this question is awesome. You've clearly been listening to the podcast and you've heard my office uh, subtleties in there. (laughs) Look, uh, the answer, that's debatable right? It's debatable. We can't, we can't, I can't give you a solid answer. That's debatable. Uh, you know, there are many qualities of the black bear that are, that are good. Uh, one could argue the grizzly is better. So, uh, which bears, but I, I can't tell you. <laughs> no, look, for those of you guys scratching your head going, David, what the hell are you talking about? Uh, I am a big, I'm a big fan of the office. I have to, you know, it's one of my favorite shows and I do make a few references here and there throughout my, uh, throughout the podcast to the office. So you've picked up on those Marley <laughs> and I really appreciate that question today. What kind of bear is the best bear? Debatable. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Hey, click that subscribe or follow button if you haven't yet. Give me that five-star review if you love what you're hearing. Find me on Instagram at speakadogcast. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. Walk your dog.